Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thank you so much for joining us on the journey. Here in the month of May, on Fridays, we are talking next steps. This is actually part three in a four-part series. In part one, a couple of Fridays ago, we talked about the next steps for the new Christian. Last Friday, the next steps for the graduate, certainly that season of the year. Roger, today we want to talk next steps for the newly married couple. And you've done a a lot of weddings, officiated a lot of wedding ceremonies. Over the last nearly five years now, I've heard you tell a lot of engaged couples You need to prepare, not just for the wedding day, but you need to prepare for marriage. Let me begin by asking you, what do you mean by that, and why does that matter? Well, I have seen this with a lot of couples. All four of my kids have been married, and I have been through all that stuff. And there is just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of energy and money and decisions just to make the wedding the way that the couple wants it. And I remember uh, with my daughter's wedding, I mean, we were planning months and months in advance and doing all these little details and just wanting to make it the perfect day for that couple. But you put so much energy and effort and money into that, and the wedding goes by so fast, it's over, everybody goes back home, you start a marriage, and you haven't put a lot of thought into the marriage. And you put a lot of thoughts into the wedding. You got the right place and the right cake and the right photographer. Everything, you know, a lot of thought went into the who, who to invite, where they're going to sit, all, all the stuff. And I even remember uh, food tasting some of these uh, caterers. You know, that was a pretty good day. You know, we just brought in all these caterers, and we were tasting all this food. Great stuff, you know. But then what happens after that? And the marriage begins, and lots of new of adjusting, and these two people are living together, and they're merging their money together and changing their names on the insurance and the house and and car titles, and all just a lot, a lot of little stuff. And a lot of times what I found is they haven't really poured a lot of energy or thought into how we're going to live together. And, you know, I've often used the illustration of two rivers coming together, and now they're forming another river. And when the two rivers first come together, there's a little bit of turbulence. And there was her ways and my ways, and her family always did it this way, and my family always did it this way, and we come together. And sometimes, it's lit, you know, if you haven't put a lot of thought into that, you don't bring the Lord into that. It can be a little bit rough sometimes. I mean, simple things as do you do you get the toothpaste out from squeezing the bottom or right in the middle? <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't think about those things. But uh, and, and you know, when you live by yourself for a while, a lot of people do before they get married. Well, you just kind of got used to doing things your own way, and now you're coming together. And so that, so that's, that's the thought behind that. But now 
there's a lot of thought behind that when we start applying Jesus and thinking about this spiritually. No doubt. And when we think of, okay, preparing for that monumental day, but then, of course, the next steps beyond that. I appreciate you bringing up Jesus. As I was thinking next steps, one of the things that comes to my mind is, okay, what God is creating here is something brand new. We remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19. He asks those experts in the Old Testament, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, made them male and female, and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God is doing the joining together here, and what he is creating is something new. Now, both the young man and the young woman, or the older man and the older woman, as they're getting married, they both have backgrounds, right? They've got some baggage. They've got preferences and opinions and and ways of reaching and making different judgment calls. But there is something new that needs to be worked through together. What is normal going to look like for us now? What, how is it that we're going to begin the day and go through the day and end the day? We've all got habits, right? We've all got rhythms. But Roger, you know just as surely as I do, if we start defaulting back to, well, this is the way I was raised, and this is how my mama did it, and this is the way I've always done it, that's not necessarily the most fertile ground to get that new relationship off on the right foot. It's not, and and what you'll find after you've been married for a while is that sometimes you find a better way of doing things than what your parents did. Uh, they raised you the best they could, whatever they had with them. But you sometimes find, well, you know, there were some deficiencies there, or we could have stepped it up a little bit better. And so that that new norm, what does it look like? You know, are we going to be sliding in at the last second to every appointment in life, or are we going to be more habitual and get there right and and, and do things? Are we just going to kind of just kind of flippantly go through life without a lot of care or concern? Are we going to be more diligent about our finances and diligent about how we prepare things? And and so what you're establishing is, okay, this is a new home. It, it, it doesn't mean it's going to be the same as the home I left. I'm going to define what works for us. And what works for us is going to be totally different. And as we throw in the Jesus factor here, we throw in the idea of spirituality, that's a huge impact. Uh, You might have come from a home where you just said prayers once in a while. Well, my new norm is we're going to say prayer every meal we eat. We're going to say prayer before we go to sleep every night. We're going to establish some new habits here. And starting early... You know, whether we talk about raising a child from very early age and, and some habits you start there, we start with a new couple together and you start these spiritual habits. They can carry with you a long, long time. And that's just uh, significant as we think about our walk with the Lord and how we try to uh, define what we're going to be. You know, as we stay right there in Matthew chapter 19, one of the things that I would 
absolutely love for every newlywed couple to realize from the very beginning, if, if we kept reading, Jesus says in verse 6 of Matthew 19, so they are no longer two, but one flesh, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. This is not a test drive. This is not a, well, we'll give this a shot, and if it works out, it works out, but I'm going to keep my options open. There are so many couples that hold the the possibility of divorce in their back pocket. If this doesn't work the way that I think that it should, if if you don't do what I want you to do by the time I want you to do it, marriage so often is treated as just a tentative exercise so important in those first few steps, even in times of frustration, to realize God has joined us together. And if we're going to honor marriage the way our Creator's calling us to, this is for life. And, and I'd go so far as saying the D word or the divorce word shouldn't even be used in your conversation. Absolutely. Um, you know, in our household, it's almost like a cuss word. You, you just don't say it. Uh, I, I no more would say that than I think about killing somebody. I mean, that just that just doesn't even enter the picture. There's days you may be upset. There's na- days you may be bothered. Days you may be even angry with each other. But that's something that does not even come on the table. And when you talk and talk about that, you throw that out every once in a while. You know, I could divorce you. One of these days, someone's going to take you up on that, and that's going to happen. So so that's not a possibility. And you enter this new relationship, realize we're in this for life. That's what we promised before God as we stood before the preacher, that till death do us part. And so, so there's a lot of learning of each other and getting, getting used to each other and understanding that we're in this and we're going to be in this as God wants us to be. A lot of times we go back to passages like Ephesians chapter five. Of course, there is amazing God breathed content there for wives and for husbands. And of course, that's a passage of scripture that we all need to be familiar with. But as I'm thinking next steps, for the newlywed couple, maybe backing up a little to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 would be helpful, where the Spirit leads the Apostle Paul to write, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Roger, I don't know of a better prescription for next steps than putting on these lenses that I am a child of God. You are a child of God. We are being called to be imitators of God. And whatever the next steps are, we're going to walk as those who are imitating Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is as the chapter before in chapter 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. In chapter 5, which you just read, verse 2, walk in love just as. 
That's, that's our standard. That's what we're living up to. And so within this marriage, we're going to have to have some tenderness and some forgiving and some getting along with each other because that's the nature of what God wants us to do. One of the blessings, I think, when, when a Christian couple marry each other is that they have the strengths of each other, and those strengths can help each other. None of us are, are strong in the same area. None of us are weak in the same area. And so when we get together with two people here, what we're looking at is use the other person's strength to help you. And maybe this person is better at praying than you are. Learn from that person and use that. Maybe this person is a better Bible student than you are. Well, use that and learn from that. And, and together, you become stronger. And, and that's just a, a blessing God gives us when we have that opportunity to do that together. You know, if I could take that principle and kind of turn it over on the other side of the coin, maybe a, a side that isn't as pleasant personally to think about. Just like we, we have different strengths, different weaknesses, we all also have blind spots. And I, I will, uh, Lord willing, this weekend celebrate uh, my 24th wedding anniversary. If 24 years has taught me anything, it's that marriage will uncover your self-centeredness, your selfishness, probably more than anything else. You know, as a single person, you can probably convince yourself, well, I'm not all that self-centered or a, a selfish sort of person, but living with another human being in the context of marriage, you you discover pretty quickly how easily you can operate from a, a position of self-centeredness. And so, recognizing those blind spots and finding the right time. You know, maybe that would be something worth thinking through. Okay, when I'm beginning to see things in my new spouse that I hadn't seen while we were dating. I think every marriage goes through that process. There, uh, There's a very real difference between picking this person up on Friday night and going out for a few hours and then dropping them back off, uh, back off at home versus living in the same house as them. And so when to address those blind spots, when to address those things that maybe are being taken for granted or even taken advantage of, when to speak and when to bear with. Roger, that can be a difficult line to walk. It it can be. And so many of the passages that uh, really we, we use them mostly toward our fellowship and toward others, they apply also in the marriage. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Now, we look at that passage and we're thinking about, okay, that's talking about Sunday morning when we're in here together. Well, that also talks about uh, Friday night when you're at home. Uh, the idea that uh, putting the other person first. What does the other person want? And, and you know, when we have these two rivers coming together, way back upstream, we both were kind of selfish. I did what I wanted to do, ate what I wanted to eat, and just kind of whenever when I wanted to go. But now I've got another person in my life. And now we've got to think about each other. And so, so that, that has a lot to do with this as we think about developing this 
two-person attitude and realizing that I'm not number one and to honor this other person as the Lord wants me to do. Uh, that helps us as we think about the next steps in the marriage. I remember our the, the best high school Bible class teacher I ever had telling us, I, I don't remember a lot from those high school Bible class years, but I remember him saying, and I think rightly so, the most important passage you can ever remember in any relationship is Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Roger, you mentioned earlier, that needs to be practiced not just in the workplace, not just at school, not just within the context of the church, but in our homes, in our marriages. And it strikes me that (laughs) that doesn't come naturally to us, right? This is the reason why the Apostle Paul in Titus chapter 2, for instance, emphasizes that younger people need to be taught to love like this by those who are older. We all have in our minds uh, a conception of marriage or a conception of love, what love is before we get married, but this sort of love is a choice, and we need to be taught to make those choices. It's, it's a kind of love which God has for us. God so loved the world. That's the kind of love it's talking about there. And it's not driven by emotion. It's not driven by feelings. Uh, oftentimes a couple comes together. There's romance. They, it, it goes further. They want to get married. And the background of that relationship, the foundation is that they like each other, just love. But there's some days, to be honest, we're not lovable. <laughs> there's some days we're, we're just not the way we should be. And what Titus is being taught there is to teach these women, have the older women teach the younger women, that even when somebody's not lovable, even when they've let you down, even when they've broken your heart, you still love them just as God loves us. And that, again, is important to see. Well, let's talk a little bit about some practical, everyday things that a young couple can do spiritually that will help them go to the next level and 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 to do these things. We've we've mentioned already habits, uh, saying prayers together, uh, starting that early in your marriage, and and to be people of prayer is is a very good habit to get together. After Sunday worship, you go out to eat or you go home to eat. Talk about the Sunday worship. Don't just say it's over and it's done and we forget about it, but use that as an opportunity to talk about the songs we've sung and, and reflect about those and what you like about those songs and what stood out, the prayers that were led, the sermon and what we got from the sermon and how that can help us. Those are powerful things that a young couple can do that will, that will make their faith grow, grow together and help them. Become more useful in the congregation. Uh, find ways in which you can teach and you can help and you can visit. Having people in your home, wonderful, wonderful things. And we have so many young couples here at Charlestown Road are just excelling in this area. And that's just a wonderful thing to see that the the heart of a young couple can change a whole congregation. And it can make it more energized because of the energy that they have. I would add, just uh, in the context of having people over or going out to eat, 
do your best to establish a relationship with an older couple. I I don't know the older couple who, if a young newlywed couple came up and asked, "Hey, could we go grab lunch sometime? Could 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 we grab dinner? Uh, could we meet at a coffee shop?" We we have noticed that you all really seem to still like each other. You've been married for a long time. You are an example that we look up to. We would love to just sit and pick your brain as to how you've gotten where you are and what you would tell us as a newly married couple. I I can just think of older couple after older couple who would be so encouraged by being asked that And the fountain of wisdom and experience then that could open up for the good of that young couple is priceless. Then just a couple other things I would, I would recommend. Um, you know, I I like the idea of reading a book, uh, together. Um, you know, I'm not talking about some novel or something, but, but something that's going to help you grow, whether it's a book about leadership or a book about the home or some book. And, and what I recommend couples do is one of you read it and highlight what's important to you, then the other read it and highlight what's important to you, and then you both look at what each other highlighted. Because that, that shows you what's important to one person you might have overlooked and they may see, well, I didn't, I didn't highlight this page, but, or this, this sentence, but that really meant something to you. And in the same way, every once in a while, share each other's Bibles. Uh, a lot of times we just write little notes in our Bibles and we have things underlined in our Bibles and we, we have things in there and just flip through your spouse's Bible and just look at that and see what passages that, that they've highlighted or little notes they've written here and there and little things. You'll learn a lot about your spouse by looking at your spouse's Bible and then let them see yours. And again, together, what you're doing is you're growing together and you're growing closer to the Lord. And as you do that, what a great impact you're going to have for other people and the congregation you're a part of. Really good practical input. Last thing that I would throw out is, even though it it may seem as if you're young, inexperienced, new at this whole thing, realize that there are younger eyes and younger hearts behind you that are watching. And your example can not only impact and encourage those who are older, but it will shape those who are younger. How seriously you take your marriage, how joyfully you engage in your marriage. Roger, one of my favorite things about standing up front during an invitation song, of course, is the opportunity for anyone who needs to respond to Jesus to come forward. But I am always so encouraged as I look at an entire congregation, seeing how many couples there are who are holding hands as they sing, holding hands as they glorify God, just little things like that, make an impression on others. Don't ever discount the good that your new marriage can do in this world. And so the next step, that's the idea we're talking about here. And so 
the wedding is over, but the marriage is not. And so we're hoping these thoughts will give you some uh, ideas. Uh, you know, a good another good project you can do is take this and then add your own ideas to this. Things that we have not thought of. And to share this maybe with another young couple you know. And again, to see how you can grow closer together, grow closer to the Lord, make a difference as God has given us this wonderful, wonderful opportunity as we consider the next steps in our life. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, and I think both of us would amen Solomon on that front. Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope that it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for your journey. If you found it helpful, we would love for you to share it with others In the meantime, always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven-bound, and the best is yet to come.